All right, we are back on another edition of the World of Sports podcast and radio show. Um, I'm Zach Rubenstein, Dylan Backus. Happy Valentine's Day. All right, we're going to start there real quick. We normally jump right into sports, um, but I, I happen to have some opinions on this that I've, I, and they're probably a little too strong, um, but I tend to have some opinions that Dylan disagrees with. Not vehemently. Yeah. Um, I do have to be careful because I don't want to get him in trouble. Um, <laughs> I am single and feel no shame about saying these. Dylan has a girlfriend, a very loving and awesome girlfriend, and I don't oh, want to get him in trouble nice. tonight. I don't want to get. I don't want to send him uh, out into the world in some serious trouble. <laughs> uh, that's not the point of this show. So. Be fun if it was. I mean, I could get him in so much trouble. I could get you in so much trouble. I know you can. Um, and you could actually probably get me in some trouble too. Eventually, I'll save the. I'll save the clip. Um, so. Play it but, on your wedding day. But today is Valentine's Day. Um, and to me, this is kind of a made-up holiday, which I think everyone agrees with. I don't even think that's a that's a bold claim. That's fair. This is this is a holiday made up by the card companies, so that you feel, at least originally, you feel like you have to buy your significant other a, a holiday card. Or a, a, a Valentine's Day card, I guess, in this case. Yeah. Now... Most of the time, we're going to bring up you in a second because you're doing something kind of different that I actually kind of like. But uh, normally, to me, you have to get a Valentine's Day card. If you're a guy, Valentine's Day card, card, flowers, chocolates, dinner, maybe lunch, two of you are really good, maybe even breakfast. I did breakfast last year um, and dinner. Now, how much do you think that costs? Well, you have to pay for food anyway. So you have but to pay yeah, for the, it's definitely more money well, than a normal on. Friday. Would you normally do all three or two meals with your girlfriend, depending on a normal Friday night? Maybe sometimes, not. Sometimes, but yes, you're right. Um, now, uh, to me, a, a good now I don't know this. I'm kind of I'm you're gonna have to fix me on this, but a solid Valentine's Day effort is starting around seventy bucks, maybe more. And if you want to go all out, you're looking at triple-digit numbers, at least yep. for people our age. Yep, I agree. Um, now, if you're getting into the adults and you're talking about gifts and, and expensive alcohol and really nice centers, you might even get into four digits. And maybe, like, yeah, like diamonds or something like that. Um, but how much would you normally spend on your girlfriend on a Friday night? What's Not your high much. number here? Not as much. I mean, it depends on what we're doing. I mean, Are you spending more than 50 bucks? On no. a Friday, let's say a whole Friday, I'll give you all Friday. No, yeah, fifty. Much okay, so at worst you're getting probably doubled, tripled, or even quadrupled. You're right, money wise, yes. Now, all of this also feels like a trap because if you're a guy and you don't want to do all this, or you, you, let's just say you don't want to, and you don't spend that kind of money, now you're in trouble. Now your girlfriend's mad at you because you didn't make put in any effort. You make her sad, and that's not fun. So you're either out a lot of money or you're or you're you're not spending a lot of money and you get in trouble. Yep. Feels like a trap, no? No, that does feel like a trap. But I mean like my my argument is like what about your birthday? I mean like it's the same thing. Like like yeah, it's what you're saying is very true, but like you're kind of forced to do these things anyways. Okay, so I will I will entertain a, the birthday argument. Here's where I will here's where I will defend it. In a birthday, you're doing it you do it essentially to each other. 
Will you pay for your birthday, or if you pay for her birthday, you essentially get back in your own. And it's not a perfect split, and some people are more materialistic than others or care about, you know, certain things. You might want a really expensive dinner for your birthday, and she may not want an expensive dinner. She may want to just rent a movie. So it's not all even all the time, but to me, birthdays ends up even overall. Whereas Valentine's Day, generally speaking, guys don't care all that much. And generally speaking, girls seem to care more. Well, but that's that's on the guys. I mean, what you you tended to it, but what me and my girlfriend do is we split it. Well, last year, I or last time Valentine's Day we were dating, I I took it, and I was in charge of it. I planned it all, I paid for it all, and this year that's her. I have no idea what's going to happen. Now I think that is actually brilliant. First off, that evens it out. Now I could argue it's probably a waste of both of your money. Well, but, but at well, least I can say you're not well, getting well, screwed. It's not like it's not like a straight waste of money. Like you're treating it like oh you just spend money and nothing comes of it. Like it's a great time. Like like last year was a lot of fun, and this year I have so I have no no idea what's gonna happen. She just told me to what I mean, to wear and where to meet, and so I, here, here's I'm what excited. I, so it's not like it's not like she spends us all this money and it means nothing. Like I'm excited. It's gonna no, be a good no. time. I I know it does. My I, I think that if you counted. The amount of date nights you have per year. Yeah. This is this is enough that it would it would put that number higher. Like if you went on a date night every Saturday night, yeah. and this was instead of that date night, maybe. But I, to me, this seems like a, and it also but it also seems like more money than the average date night. Well, yeah, obviously. it seems like a much bigger yeah, deal it's like, it's and a like much a, it, bigger. Yeah, well, well, I mean, then how you see it, what you could do when you eventually have a significant other is that you could do it as, let's just say you have a date night every Saturday. Well, you just don't have a date night other than Valentine's Day for the month of February. Maybe. By the way, when... You know how I said you could, I could get you in trouble and you will one day get me in trouble? Yeah. This is going to be what gets me in trouble. So you can't <laughs> let this one out. We're going to have to keep this one hidden in the archives. Because <laughs> we'll otherwise see. I'm going to get myself in trouble. We'll see. For we'll the future. See. We'll see. Um, but I, I hear what you're saying. I just think that with good communication, like I'm not a huge romantic person. I'll be completely honest. Like, like Stephanie's definitely more of that. So Stephanie's it's hard for me. Stephanie's my girlfriend. So it's hard for me because I I I only have very limited ideas, right? From a gift standpoint, from a from about like a really nice romantic dinner. But this is nice because I really only have to do one really romantic thing every two years, other than obviously a birthday and like uh, uh, you know weekly things. But like one big thing every two years, I think I can come up with enough ideas for one every two years. It helps me a lot that I don't have to do it every single year. And so we can be dedicated to that. Since so she knows that she's more of the romantic one, she was willing to be really romantic once every two years too. And it, it works out. But that's communication. I mean, that's... If, if you don't communicate that, obviously you're going to be the one doing it every year and screw out of a, lot, a lot of money and all this stuff. Well, I also think that Valentine's Day, from a girl's perspective, gives guys an out. Like, girls just accept a nice Valentine's Day as, oh, you know, he cares, and so a guy can be an awful boyfriend for a long time and get out of it with Valentine's Day. Uh, speaking of things awful boyfriends do, listen to this pivot. Yeah. Um, we are going to move into a different kind of cheating than the romantic kind. Um, and this is something that, this is a topic that has been out for a while, we haven't addressed, we're now going to start with it. What a pivot. This would be this would be the Astros cheating scandal. This is we're now off relationship talk for for not ever. I'm sure we'll come back to this at some point. But for at least this week, probably next week and including the week after, we're done with relationship talk. Um all right, the Astros cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who somehow don't know, uh this involved the Houston Astros baseball team in the 2017 season 
Um, it included them uh, having a camera out in center field, checking the signs from the catcher to the pitcher so the pitcher knew what to throw. throw. When they knew what he was throwing, um, they would relay that sound to someone on the bench who would bang a trash can to let that player know however many times they wanted to just, they wanted to say what that pitch was so that the guy knew what was coming. So if it was a fastball, let's say, which is the one-finger down sign most of the time, uh, that would be looked at from a monitor. Someone in the clubhouse would bang a trash can one time. Now you know the fastball's coming. You don't necessarily know where, but it makes the odds of getting a hit way higher. Uh, they got caught doing this, and stealing signs is not against the rules, but stealing uh, signs using technology like this is... Um, the the best the no the normal ceiling signs parameters that you can get away with are if you see it on the field right you right. can you do have, it you have a guy yeah. on second base who can pick out what the signs are for the pitcher um, from the catcher and so you as the batter if there's a guy on second will make his own sign so let's say he taps his head when there's a fastball um, he notices all these C sign sequences but notices that he keeps putting down the one finger more than everything else. He goes, I think this is going to be a fastball. They've already discussed it. He taps the top of his head. Batter knows, ooh, I got a fastball coming. Hits it, home run. That's okay. Yeah, because that's called being aware. Right. I mean, that, that's very that's something completely different. I mean, it's not like they're going to tell players, like, oh, you have to look away. Like, you know, it's it, being aware is one thing. But when you position a camera, you know, behind you know, the pitcher for the entire game, and then you use – the screen to deter determine what exactly is what pitch, and then bit like from the dugout make a sound that is obviously a little bit more of a unethical way of playing the game. So this has already kind of been worked out by the MLB, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but the punishments have been doled out. Now the Astros yesterday, because spring training just started this week, now the Astros are being forced to address this. And the, the problem comes in uh, that the Astros don't know how to address this correctly. Um, here's the truth. So, so just so we're all clear, everyone watching, listening, Dylan and I, just so we're all clear. Um, this worked. The, che the Astros cheated. It absolutely worked. It either got them to the World Series or won them the World Series or both. Um, the Red Sox did it the next year, and it also worked. So not only did they do it, it worked. And at the end of the day, they get to keep all their World Series rings. They get to uh, the, the parade they got, the bonuses they got. That all counted. The stats all counted. Um, so now we're in the situation where the Astros are forced to apologize for something that they are not sorry for because it worked. Um, so now we are at this point where the Astros are giving this press conference. Mm -hmm. um, Dylan, I want to know what you would say if you were not sorry for something but were forced to apologize in this case. Like, let's say you were an Astros well, player. I mean, okay. How would you apologize for this? Well, I mean, that we you're asking the wrong question here because we you know my distinct opinion on this, which is I don't listen to these type of things. I don't listen to these press conferences. I mean, we talk about, like, when GM or players, like, any sport go on. And I don't think that they deliver actual useful information 95% of the time because they're not going to really be fully honest. It doesn't help them. And so it's all PR to, 
That, that's how all these players duck. I mean, you now look at it. Watch what, Have you listened to what Patrick Mahomes said recently? He was asked if you'd be the face of the franchise. No, I think there's a lot of players that could do that. Lamar Jackson. You know, everyone just wants to give praise well, because it doesn't help them. And so, well, that, okay, but that's a difference. So that's that's like good teammate, good coach. But I'm that, not going to reveal anything. All this is, and so you know, this all Astros scare. The, the, their press conference went bad. What so they did I, was horrible. And the thing is. Not if you look on Twitter, most people aren't even mad about that. Most people are saying stuff like, "Wow, this PR team was horrible." You've had months to plan what you're going to say, and that's how I feel. I feel like, you know, what if they said something great? Would it have really changed anything? No, they cheated. Well, I think they, they won. Could, I think they couldn't have said anything good. I think it's impossible exactly. because they cheated and they won and it worked. Exactly. So like, like what was the biggest mess up and why this is so big news is what the hell are the Astros paying their PR team for? What are they paying them for? Well, I, I think that this is, so, I think this is really hard. This is, so, I do have a little bit of what they said, some of the quotes. Uh, their man, their owner, Jim Crane, tweeted something that said, uh, tweeted something that said, um, our opinion is that this didn't impact the game. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, that's categorically false. <laughs> if you if you cheat and it works and it, it does affect the game because it gives you the advantage, then um, then then it then it did affect the game. I don't know what he's saying. Um, our players should not be punished for their actions. Well, they weren't, um, but they did seem to go along with this. They they did do it. I mean, they were given the information. They could have ignored all of it. They could have ignored the banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they could have they could have said we're not going to do this as a clubhouse. You need to stop, um, and they didn't do that. Uh, they, I mean, the the commissioner, well, the the commissioner's report, I think tried to get tried to not upset the players, and this is my other problem with it, because. What you and I, Dylan, you and I talk about collective bargaining in sports all the time. Yep. And the players' unions and the roles they play. What do you think a players' union should do if a team cheats and the players on that team get suspended? What do you think they should do? Well, they'll have to fight. It's a players' union. So here's the problem: the MLB assumed that those players would be the players' union would be upset. Yep. I think they shouldn't have been upset. I think the players' union actually should have let the Astros players out to dry. Here's why. There were multiple, while the Astros players cheated, there were players that were cheated out of things. So you are defend, if the if the players union defends the Astros, they are hurting the Dodgers, let's say. And if they defend, and if they don't defend the Astros, then they're helping everybody else. So to me, baseball just messed this whole thing up. And, and the players went out and said stupid things because they didn't have, a, they weren't really sorry. You can't you can't leave players out to dry. That's the whole point of a players union. I'm not saying that they deserve or don't deserve to be left out to dry, but I am just telling you that you cannot do that as a players association. That's how you splinter the players association. But then what about and the players that were hurt? I, I will say though that the MLB being overly cautious was the best thing that could have happened to the players association. They didn't have to do anything. They, they, I don't know what the MLB was doing. Maybe it was to try to buy some goodwill with the people who run the players association. But, like, that was amazing for them. They didn't have to make that decision. Because you're right, this is not really a... This is a kind of a no-win situation if they were forced to make a choice if players got suspended. So you're right. But at the same time, like, like if they were, let's just say the players were to be suspended, 
I mean, I don't know how hard the Players Association would be to defend them, but their stance would be to defend them. That's the, their job. Um, I would argue that defending them would, would also give them bad. It would hurt the players. I'm not disagreeing, the, but that's what you have well, to that, do. Well, that's why they worked out. So I do want to read comments from Cody Bellinger that were today. Cody Bellinger is the is a first baseman outfielder for the Los Angeles Dodgers. He was on both teams that were affected by this, the 2017 and 18 teams. Um, he did... These were his comments, or this is what he said, about this situation. Um, He said, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving them immunity. I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. I think what what people don't realize is Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 2017. Everyone knows they stole the ring from us. So, clearly he was not holding back. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting that he decided to take a personal dig at Altuve. And well, somehow, it's done. and and he also is is defending Aaron Judge, who I don't know. I believe they are friends. Actually, I don't know this for certain, but I think they do. They are they do have a relationship of some kind. Yeah. Um. But that I mean that just echoes what I think a lot of people are thinking, and that's why I think the players' association would not really get involved. Maybe because of this reason. Because look how mad Cody Bellinger is right now. Um. The whole, is, the whole thing's about There's no doubt that if the MLB wanted to not suspend players and also didn't want to take away their championship ring, which I actually don't think are horrible ideas, they should have hit the team harder. Only a first and second round pick for two years? That's not enough. Only finding, what, $5 million? They make more for winning a championship. So, like, in my opinion, I don't know if the MLB went wrong in many ways, as much as most people will say they went wrong. But I think it would have been more beneficial is if they just took away for more for the team. You know, you well, I, I think they should have definitely – I think they should have fined – so, to me, I think they should have fined everyone who had above 150 at-bats in the season, which means that you oh, played a substantial amount. So, everyone gets fined. If you had more than 300 at-bats, then, you know, you, you may you – could, you could say you take away their records, you take away their wins, you could take away – I mean – I think I think everyone that had more than 100... I think everyone should lose their ring. I think the whole World Series should be I say I disagree. thrown in the air. It should be as if it never happened. It happened in 1984. Yeah. They never played a World Series. Yep. They could do it again. They could act that, like it never that, played. That's just, it's just really hard to actually... I don't disagree with that. Well, he, here's I mean, why. I don't like the idea that in their offices in Houston, there is a World Series trophy from 2017. No, I, I hear what you're saying. But the problem with doing that is... Then there's a lot of like now there's an asterisk, but they still won. And then it's like, well, do they deserve to win? It's just a lot of moving variables that just don't fit well. I see what you're saying, and I don't think it's once again a horrible idea for them to do that. But I would rather personally see them just hit the team much much harder. Like for example, okay, I would, but that's what they're doing. They did hit the team harder. No, Everyone's no, upset the, they're not hitting the players. No, but so, so I actually agree with your bat thing. I don't think any of the players should be suspended. I mean, do they deserve to be suspended? Yes, that's a different story. But I think in the MLB's best interest, I like what you said. They find them a certain amount of money for how many bats they took during that year type of thing. But then on top of that, they do way more research to see how much the team made off winning a Super Bowl. Or a, Super Bowl, a, a World, World Series. Series. Sorry. A World Series. How much money they, did they, they make? They find them the most they could find. You can only find someone $5 million, and they did. Oh, really? That's the maximum amount. Yeah. Oh, well, then I didn't know that. That's stupid. Then, then, yes, you're right. Then you have to start hitting players harder. Way, that happens really in football, too. That would, the Patriots got to find the maximum amount you could find, I, too. I, can't, I think it's stupid that there's a maximum amount. The MLB should be able to do what they want. But, okay, 
then you get, I mean, I think that then what you do is you do stuff like um, what they do in soccer. I know soccer is very different, but you make it so that you have restrictions on, you know, free agency signings or trades. You make it so that I think they should be fine more. The problem is you can't do that because then you take away the incoming player's ability. Like the point of free agency is that you can go where you want. So if you tell a player you can go wherever you want except Houston, that's fair. That's, I, that's I, a really I, my, bad. A lot of my argument was centered around they should find them more, and I didn't realize that they find them five million. But I think they need to find more people. I think they shouldn't just find the play, the team. They no. should go after players and and coaches because and, that's way. It's way more variable. There's just so much more variables going when you find players. It's a lot easier. I'm not saying it's right, but it's a lot easier to go to the team and give them such a harsh punishment now that now the team is looking to stopping that. The team is what that you know is at the top. They're part of the culture, right? Players matter a lot, but at the end of the day, the culture starts at the top. I actually learned that in my business classes, so it's funny that I was able to use that for, for sports. But that's the truth. I mean, that's so if the true, team yeah. is very, if the top level employees of the team are very anti cheating, there's not going to be any cheating. Period. But but the difference in sports is that in sports, you can really have kind of a culture develop at the bottom too. Those players, players only meetings happen all the time. You can have a players only meeting in which the top guys, Altuve, Correa, Springer, stand up and Bregman and say, "Listen." We're not going to do this. We know this is here. We're not going to let it happen. We as players aren't going to do it. And if you're doing it, they, there's something called a kangaroo court, which happens in clubhouses. They will. I, they can find each other. They can. They can hurt. They can. They can punish each other. I hear what you're saying, but the problem is, it is harder to punish players. Period. And it's just, it's just harder. It's way more. There's way more variables going on with that. It's a lot easier to say that the team is the team, you know. At the end of the day, it's under the Astros' name. The team isn't called Jose Altuve's team. You know, it's the Astros. And so they are responsible for the players that they bring in, the culture they bring in. That's like kind of saying, well, we, we, we don't believe in cheating, but then signing players who have a notorious history of cheating and then not doing anything about it. The, the, it's the, under the Astros' name. It's their trademark. It's not Jose Altuve's trademark. It's not Bregman's trademark, whoever else is on the Astros. So once again, I do agree that they deserve to be punished more, but I just think that's a lot harder. There's so many more complex variables when it comes to that. It's just easier MLB. They should have just hit them harder. I think that the whole maximum fine thing is a BS rule. I think. I mean that, but that exists. I mean that exists in football. It exists. I think in in a perfect world, I would have. I would have roughly figured out the cost of how much money they made for making the playoffs and then winning the World Series, taking away that, and then I. You would know have... why you can't do that? Because there's revenue sharing. That's why. So what happens is everyone, whatever whatever everyone makes in the year goes in a pot, and then it's even divvied out evenly. So for example, the Pirates who make almost nothing, uh, get some of the money that the Yankees make. Yeah, but some of the money. The sum, yeah. Well, it gets evened out. I mean, some teams make less than others. Some teams, well, and so they make it so that everybody's even. But everyone's not even because at the end of the day, in other ways, whether it's merch, whether it's other things, at the end of the day, the Yankees can still have double the budget, if not more, than the Pirates on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, that's because of, that's of TV deals and well, that's it's what not I'm saying. because There's of revenue. A, I'm, not saying, I'm not talking about just straight MLB revenue. I'm saying how much money total, not just from the MLB, but in total, the Astros made 
taking that away because at the end of the day, that's a lot, that, that hurts their team significantly because they have way less money, but it also doesn't have as much complex variables as taking away a championship or finding players. Okay, so I do want to move on to another thing that I, I talked about with somebody else the, uh, a couple days ago, which is Astros players have to continue to play the game, which means they have to step into the batter's box at guys who they cheated against. Uh, how do we know that people aren't going to start throwing at their heads? I mean, I, I maybe not directly at their heads, although I think that will happen at least once. There's no doubt the MLB I mean, is told these, these players to be careful of that, but yeah, no, these, these guys these are going to get These players are in, I mean, I hate to say it, but but these players, all of them, like this isn't just your star that might get hit, you know, plunked in the back because your other pitcher was a little errant. This, this thing is like awful. Like, these players are going to get 95 to the head, and it's not even going to, I mean, I hate to say it, Baseball fans, not going to get upset. I mean, if Jose Altuve takes a 95-mile-an-hour 95, 95 pitch and he, and he doesn't get seriously injured, I mean, he had like there, there's going to be a lot of people that say he had a coming. That's the unwritten rules of baseball, and you broke them, and you cheated, and you took away a World Series from people who might never, ever get one. And, and so, yeah, 95 to the head might happen. And I'm that's saying, your punishment. Uh, I think I think they're going to tell them, and umpires are also going to be reasonable about this. That you know, if they see a pitch to the head, they're going to be more like more yeah, but, ready. But, but they don't care. Like what you do is you send out you send out a guy who's your last bullpen arm, the bottom guy of your bullpen. You you have your starting pitcher do it well, when, he, when that, he's about to when he's on, when he's in his last as, half. Okay, then if, if fans cheer for that, that's BS. That's just as unethical as. Astros treaty, not gonna lie. I mean, but that's so that, but that's a thing that baseball does all the time over way. And less. I think so. That's what I'm saying. I think bearing significant injury, Jose Altuve will be the most hit person maybe in MLB history. That's one thing. Don't aim a 95 mile per hour pitch to his head. That's scary. I, I think that that's scary. Fam. I think that there are guys that are going to take this super personally, and they are going to go after. There's no. People. I think they're going to go after them. But it, I mean, if I see a player get seriously injured. Well, it, hap- it happens a lot on accident. It could end up being an accident. Like, there will be people that are going to aim probably for, you know, the, the yeah. shoulder, the chest up. Um, I mean, there are going to be people that aim for the top of the chest, for the back of the... I mean... I'm just saying, this is going to be a If a player gets significantly injured through a pitch, there's... I mean... I've, well, it already also, has happened. Also, actually, I have a really good little prop bet for you. This is very interesting. How many fights do you think the Ashers are going to be None. next season? None. None. Because they are going to be entirely penalized for every fight, no matter if they started or not. And the guys who do get penalized from the other team aren't going to care. Their fines will be paid for by owners and other players. It, it is it is 100. They are not going to get in a fight because they know they deserve all of it. And they would be so stupid because when it comes to suspensions, that is, you know, the MLB Players Association can only do so much. So if the MLB throws a 10-game suspension at every play, single Astros player that throws a punch in a fight or even gets shoved and they all get appealed, they may go from 10 to 5, and that's still an extreme amount. Oh, dude, I, 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 using that, I think that unless the Astros start hot, I think that they know that this season is kind of a bust anyways. Uh, oh, I, I'm going over seven fights. They, I don't think they're going to do them. I think it'll be under. I think they're not going to... They, they're, people might fight them, which I guess is possible. They may no, have a guy, you know, they hit one person, and that guy may just instantly charge them down because he's pissed already. That may happen. Well, also, I mean, I'm telling you, if one of the Astros players gets a serious injury from a thrown pitch. Oh, dude, if I'm the Astros, I'm throwing punches. I don't maybe, care. maybe, but the, the response from the league, from the people in the league, the players, is going to be, 
your career is tainted. Your you, What you did to us is harmful and hurtful, and I don't care about you. I want to hurt you because the league didn't do it. I'm going to take matters. No, I'm not disagreeing. That's, that's baseball. I'm, but I'm not disagreeing with that. Why Why did you argue that? that? That's literally what I'm saying is going to happen. I'm just telling you that if an Astros player gets seriously injured through a hit pitch, these Astros players are going to hold back because they know it's on purpose. If the, it doesn't matter if you know that you're in the wrong. If you watch one of your players get seriously injured on purpose, well, hold on. Here's a I don't question. care what sport Here's a it question. Is. If you're a new player to the Astros in the last two years and you don't and you were not involved in this, do you get in the fight? Because this was not your thing. You didn't do this. You weren't there for it. That's you a, didn't cause this. That's a Normally, it's a team thing during the year and it happens during the season. But if you didn't do it, and this is someone else who did it to somebody else, uh, who's fighting who here? Like, I, I think I think you might end up in a situation where some of these guys are not out alone, but they're out alone. Like, they're not going to have the, the the backing of the other people that you might assume they have the backing of. I agree. Who do they play first? Uh, they start off with, I believe, the Angels, who are not going to care. The, th- the question is, how many fights will they have with the Yankees? Because they're going to play them twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many times do those teams fight? I'm trying to see if they play the Dodgers. The Diamondbacks do play them. Um, I'm trying to see if they play the Dodgers because that will be – there will be something there. There, There's no chance that they – Well, it seems away. like they have a very favorable schedule. They don't play anyone that well, they really play, is that mad. They play every, well, so they play everybody in the in the AL, and then they play a couple teams in the Yeah, AL. but it just seems like they don't play any of these import, like these teams that were really mad for the first couple months. Which is really nice. Um, looking, so they play the D-backs twice. There's a home and away. Um, I don't, I don't see very. I mean, I'll, I'll look through it again. Um, they really don't. They play like the Marlins, who don't really care. They play. They the, here, here's where, here's where it will get interesting. They play the Yankees in a four-game set in New York, September 21st through the 24th, right at the end of the season, uh, right when, right when the playoffs are starting to pick up. If the Yankees and Astros are in a tight series, I wonder what will happen. If if it's already clinched, if they're already clinched when this happens, yeah, there's was, a whole there's three more games after this, plus maybe a little bit more. If so, the Astros are out of the playoffs, I mean they're not going to care about the fights. I think the it's the question will be the Yankees. If the Yankees have already clinched a playoff spot, which they probably will, I think they th- I think there's going to be a fight in that four game series. Yeah, maybe. And there may even be one before that. I don't. I may have missed a team or two. Um, thankfully, the teams in their division weren't really affected by it all that much, so they're going to probably get away with it. Oh, they do play the Nationals, um, who who play a role in this, um, kind of. The Nationals, I guess, were warned a little bit about this throughout the playoffs. Anyway, we do need to move on. We spent a lot of time on that topic, yep. uh, which we did neglect for a very long time. Um, so... We're going to take a whole 180, and we're going to come right back to our area of the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would be the Pac-12, uh, which is the 12 teams along the Pacific West, Northwest and West Coast. Um, and this, this is a, a particularly interesting topic, but only if you're from this area uh, or you go to a school out here. So the Pac-12 is the conference... For the, co- for the schools on the West Coast, all the way from Southwest here to the Pacific Northwest in Washington, uh, there's 12 schools, hence why it's the Pac-12. Um, and the Pac-12 tends to be hurt by something that the West Coast entirely is hurt by all the time. And that is, in general, they're hurt by time zones. They play the latest games every week in every sport. 
Um, generally speaking, they're hard for people on the East Coast to watch, where the majority of the people in the country are. On top of that, the commissioner for the Pac-12 is also awful. His name is Larry Scott, and I don't like him. I'm happy to say it here. I think Larry Scott is incredibly irresponsible, and he's incredibly um, indignant, I guess, to the issues that are going on. He, uh, he is stubborn, and he thinks that what he's doing is corrupt even when it isn't. And it's starting to become a problem. Even more than it already I has been. I think that's over there. I just don't think he's very good at his job. He is not good at his job, but he's also, he's, but he's also doesn't try to get any better. Well, he keeps so, not improving so the, his the, job. The problem is that the Pac-12 doesn't make enough money. Well, so, so here, so this well, is the, the, the Pac-12 doesn't make enough money, and his response to that is that he he still tries to get all the games onto the Pac-12 network. Well, hold on, hold on, you got to back up a little bit here. He he keeps he the Pac-12 is not making a lot of money. But he doesn't admit that. He keeps thinking they do make a lot of money. And he also spends a lot of money. His rent, that, so the Pac-12 offices are in San Francisco, one of the most expensive country cities in the country. And they pay prime rent. They pay $7 million a year in rent wow. for a conference that doesn't have any money. He drops another $5 million, by the way, on the Pac-12 basketball tournament or some high crazy number like that. It may be $2 million or something. He drops like $75,000 a night for his own hotel room. Wow. And that does not include the cost of getting the stadium or other people that have to fly there or the referees or the teams or anything else. He spends like 75 grand a night just on him. Uh, so he's incredibly irresponsible. And the, and so you bring up the Pac-12 network. Do you, how many times have you watched the game on the Pac-12 network? No, never. You've never? No. Nope. Okay. Um, that's, the, that's the problem. The Pac-12 network is only available to people on the West Coast, and of them... People like Dylan don't watch it because they don't care about what's on it. The Pac-12 network should be a supplementary network. It should be for games and for teams that are not good enough that would not otherwise get airtime so their fans can watch. Think the worst team, think about the worst team in college football in the Pac-12 playing the second worst team in college football in the Pac-12. It's a game that ESPN and Fox Sports would never want. It has to be available so the people who are fans of it can at least watch the games. Mm-hmm. The problem is that's not what the Pac-12 Network does. They get they try to go after the best games, which hurts viewer to, viewer numbers. But that's not even the point of what we're talking about today. Dylan, do you know who Mel Tucker is? Nope. Okay. <laughs> Mel Tucker, I, I, I knew you weren't. Mel Tucker was the coach of Colorado for one year. He was a fellow, he was an assistant in Alabama uh, before that. Um, and I believe in other couple schools, he became the head coach of Colorado last year, and he's generally considered a pretty good coach. He went 5-7 and seven with a team that wasn't very good, but he had a couple of great wins and, and was moving in the right direction. Uh, last two weeks ago, he was approached for the Michigan State head coaching job for football um, and declined it. He tweeted, While I am flattered to be considered for the head coaching job at Michigan State football, I committed to Colorado football for hashtag build our program. It's great athletes, coaches, and supporters. Uh, and then he tweeted hashtag unfinished business, go buffs. And then he also tweeted hashtag we are relentless, hashtag culture, and hashtag the build. One week later, he was offered a salary of $5.4 million by Michigan State and promptly left Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, now, a lot of people, so someone on Twitter, 
who uh, I believe who has a, a grandson that went there, tweeted, Mel Tucker is a con man. He recruited my grandson to see you, said he wasn't going anywhere, then ups and leaves. Sat there and lied to my face. He wasn't going anywhere. Uh, so do I want to beat him up on social media today? What else can I do? So, this is a little bit of a problem. And it's becoming a problem for the Pac-12, not just Colorado. Because, what would you do if you were Mel Tucker? I would have left. You would have left because? Because even though that I'm a loyal person, not only am I making double the money somewhere else, but also, I mean, that program's going to have way more resources. I mean, it's going to... It, he has way more of a chance of succeeding there, but I get that he didn't want to leave originally because that's something that he promised he wouldn't do. But I mean, on top of making double the money, I mean, how could you not say yes to a better opportunity okay. than paying double the money? So that's why the rest of the Pac-12 didn't beat up on Mel Tucker. What they did was they went back to Larry Scott, the guy I mentioned earlier. They 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 ended up beating up on him. So the problem is that the Pac-12 is not a good conference in terms of competitiveness Uh, for all the reasons we mentioned earlier but there's also other reasons and a lot of it involves uh, Larry comes down to Larry Scott Um, according to the the latest figures Pac-12 this is a CBS article that I'm reading from Pac-12 would make at least 17 million dollars less annually than their Big Ten counterparts in media revenue the Big Ten is where Michigan State is the numbers are 50 million for the Big Ten and about 33 for the Pac-12 you know, you know why part of that is? Our friends of the Pac-12 network who take away the viewership. Um, over the next few years, the Big Ten will make as much as $140 million more million than the Pac-12. Over about five years or so. Uh, Colorado's salary at Colorado... Tucker's salary at Colorado was $2.4 million. Alabama's recruiting budget, $2.6. Alabama spends more on recruitment than Colorado spent on their coach. In one year. Um, the Pac-12 is, is also more screwed up than just Colorado. Uh, the two biggest schools in terms of revenue over the years have been generally the L.A. schools, UCLA and USC. They both have been atrocious when it comes to football, underachieving in the other sports as well, and some of them. Um, they, I mean, UCLA is, faced, is facing a $19 million dollar athletic budget deficit, which means they are spending more than they take in. USC has had its lowest ranked recruiting class in the history of its rankings in football. Um, and it has allowed other schools to go in and get talent, including even uh, ASU is claiming a lot of victory in, in their success in taking players. So, Dylan, if you were the pack, if you, let's say they got rid of Larry Scott, mm-hmm. what would you do tomorrow? What would be the first thing you would do to go in and fix this? First thing? I mean, we talk about from a TV standpoint, first you have to drum up more interest in the Pac-12. I mean, and the way to do that is, yeah, it'd be nicer to say, okay, well, we're going to have all our good games on Pac-12, so people have to pay for Pac-12, so a lot more money. But, I mean, if you don't have the interest compared to your East Coast counterparts, you know, that's tough. Um, I mean, one thing that I would do that a lot of people disagree with, but that's because they go to bed so early, is I don't mind starting the games earlier. I don't think that that hurts as long as you start them. Um, you know, what like what time do they normally start? So, okay, so the discussion last year began with starting... Um, so let me, let me go by East Coast numbers because that's how this is generally done. 
the first college football game of the day is noon Eastern, 12 mm-hmm. o'clock. Uh, and they generally go about every three hours. So it goes 12, 330, uh, 6, thir- 6 Eastern, 7.30 Eastern, depending on the channels. Um, and then and then the night game is usually 10.30 or some 9.30 maybe, depending on what's going on. So the problem is that, that the Pac-12 are only games that are 9 or 10.30. Now, they've talked about doing some noon Eastern games in the Pac-12, but that's 9 a.m. starts for the entire conference. Yep, that's that, do you expect people to get up and go to the stadium? Do you expect players to be up in warm-ups at 6 a.m.? I mean, nope. that's... No, well, I mean, people do that, but... Um, no, but, I mean, you could start it... First off, there's a... I mean, I, I, I'm not a scheduling expert. I mean, I'm an expert, in my opinion. A right. self-acclaimed expert well, I, in I many your, things. Right, but I'm my, trying to get your opinion. Or I know my, opi- yeah, my, my opinion is... Well, I mean, this is more of a question for you. You're more, you know, this more than I do. What about starting it, you know, in the middle of games? You know, well, starting. How about instead of a 9 a.m. start time, which also I think it's important to note that with daylight saving times for Arizona, at least sometimes. Well, yeah. Off. So Arizona, Colorado, and Utah do end up moving actually yeah. um, to what would 10 be 10 a.m. start times well, most of the year. Colorado well, and Utah are that way the whole but, year. But I mean, 11 a.m. 11 a.m. is not a bad start time. That's not too early. It's but an what hour t- early. But, here, but what TV network are you getting on? So the East Coast teams generally take uh, the 12 o'clock games. Usually the SEC has a game on CBS that's a, a 3.30 or 4.30 Eastern game. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, it's a 2.30 or 3.30 Eastern game. Um, and then generally from there it becomes staggered between ESPN uh, and, ESP- and ABC Fox Sports and Fox Sports One. Well, but, uh, I give my opinion about what you would do. You, you're 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 the commissioner. You know you have more information than me. You, you're the commissioner. What do you do? So if I'm the commissioner, the first thing I do is I close the Pac-12 office in San Francisco oh, yeah. and I move it to either the East Bay um, of the San Francisco Bay Area or I move it south. Um, I, it's hard a little bit. LA gets expensive too, but but something you know that's cheaper somewhere else if you want to do even Las Vegas. I know that's not really uh, Pac-12 country because there's no Pac-12 school there, but somewhere like that that's in the middle. First thing you do is you have to clean up the budget. You can't be so wasteful. The second thing you do is you you take away all of, all of the Pac-12's networks claim to a game. They take whatever's left at the end and they make it work. Mm-hmm. The third thing I would do is I would make Colorado and Utah play every home game at 10 a.m. Gotcha. At least as long as you can. Even make it, which would be a noon Eastern start. Try to get it somewhere on that noon Eastern slate. Um, and then the third thing I would do, and this one's a little bit hard, is I would almost call every coach. And I would say, listen, we as the Pac-12 are going to give you money so you can recruit on the West Coast. We are going to... We will, I don't know, say, I'm not going to say you cover all their costs, but as long as you are flying, you are keeping a straight line that goes from Washington to Texas, which is a diagonal line, by the way. <laughs> um, anywhere on that straight line from Idaho to Texas, we are going to pay for it. All of it. Wow. We are going, we're, we may go into debt for a couple of years, but we are going to pay for it. For you to get that recruiting, and we are going to incite, incentivize you to make that recruiting a, a a big deal. Now, ideally, you would want every single recruit on that list to go to a Pac-12 school. Let them. I don't care who the, who they fight over. 
I don't care if Arizona and ASU, UVA and ASU are going for the same guy that lives in Tucson or even Washington wants to get involved. But I would want every single top recruit west of that line between Idaho and Texas at a Pac-12 school. That's fair. And I would make that a priority. And once you did that, once you moved the games a little bit earlier, I would also try to get as many 7.30 games as you can, which would be 4.30 games. Um, and even some 1 o'clock games if you can, if you can make it work, some 3.30 Eastern games, maybe 12.30. You do that as much as you can. You do those two things in football and you're fixed. In basketball, you do a version of the same thing. Um, with maybe a little less money because there's, there's less schools. I don't want to worry about as much about basketball. I hear what you're saying, but I think basketball, from a recruitment standpoint, is a little bit better. From the money standpoint, it's fine. But the recruitment thing is a big deal, and I think that that's what you do for football because of how much Pac-12 teams in football kind of lack, But especially when you talk about the budget. Right now, they're behind in basketball, too. They're they're falling. I mean, last year there were three Pac-12 teams in the NCAA tournament. They were eight Big Ten teams. True, 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 true. But, I mean, you talk about, first off, there's more money in the conference. That's going to help tremendously to begin with. I think you focus more on the scheduling things. You you, you focus on it being more, you, I don't know. The other thing you could do, I mean, this is interesting, but you, you become a basketball conference. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like, there's too much history. And you and I, you and I go to a basketball school, and so that's what we're used to. Yeah. But there's, there's some very deep football history in the Pac-12, especially at schools like Oregon, uh, which is becoming that way. USC has been, uh, yeah, USC, okay. Notre Dame, Notre Dame's rivalry, um, the, you know, there, there's there's a lot of deep rivalry. I also think the Pac-12 needs to devote some money to coaching. I think they need to, um, it's, they need to match an equal salary to some of the other schools, uh, on in some other conferences, and promote good coaching within the Pac-12. I don't know how you do that, but I think they need to make an effort in that direction. Gotcha. Um. So hopefully, Larry Scott, you see this and you learn from us to college kids that know nothing how to do your job better. <laughs> um, so we're going to wrap it up on in the last few minutes and we're going to turn another 180 degrees. <laughs> um, we've been all over the place today. We have been. Um, we're going to go to the NBA. This is All-Star Weekend. And the All-Star Saturday night festivities are tomorrow night. The celebrity game is tonight. Uh, do you know who's coaching the celebrity game? It is Michael Wilbon versus Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> uh, it should be a lot of fun. Stephen A. Smith was on first take today because we do the show on a Friday, um, complaining that the NBA rigged the celebrity All-Star game in favor of Michael Wilbon. Is he already crapping on his players? It, it, he, he says his players are too small. Uh and in his defense, Quentin Richardson, who is a former son, uh, is on Michael Wilbon's team. Quentin Richardson's considered a celebrity? I guess. Quavo is the best thing I think Stephen A. Smith has. Oh, yes, Quavo. Quavo's like the best player. Yeah, but Quentin Richardson was a former pro. Yeah, fair. Pro player. Um, but we're going we're gonna to really talk about Saturday and Sunday. Uh, first off, would you have watched anything All Star? Are you going to watch any All Star Saturday night or I Sunday am stuff significantly anyway? Significantly now more likely to watch. I'll start. I am as well. Uh, this is because our our be- our favorite player, Devin Booker, was selected as an alternate to the All Star Game two days ago, really yesterday morning. Dude, um, oh, Stephen A. Smith has a former NFL defensive tackle. What do you mean? He's too yeah, but small. Is he, can he play basketball? 
He's big. Who's the defensive tackle? Anthony, quote, Spice Adams, a.k.a. Cream E. Biggins. He's an actor and comedian. He's an actor! He's also a former NFL defensive tackle. Uh, hold on, hold on. How, how long was Spice Adams' career? Now we got to look this up. He has Ronnie 2K. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Ronnie 2K knows how to play basketball. I doubt it. I doubt it. He has Darius Miles. Who I don't know who that is. That's a, another NBA player, a former NBA player. Maybe I think Quay Richardson was a little better though. Uh, let's see, Spice Adams. Spice Adams. Dude, I don't know anyone on the other guys' yeah, team. I, 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 I. Okay, do you do you want do you want to make a bet right now? That I'm gonna say Stephen A. Smith's team wins. Are you, willing, are you betting? Oh hell! Oh hell yeah! How are we actually betting? Uh, up to you. What, what do you, what, what's the bet? I would only do like a couple bucks. I'm not. I'm not losing some serious money. No, I'm not talking about money. Let's not do money. Let's do something more fun. Okay, you want to hear Spice Adams' career? Because I think I'm gonna have to walk this one back. Oh wait, yeah. Actually, take that back. Spice Adams played. Yeah, I'm gonna have to walk this one back. Spice Adams played. Pretty much continuously from 2003 to 2011. Yeah, he played in he played in. That doesn't mean he's good at basketball. Well, he played 121 games, started in 74, um, and played a varying number of positions between defensive end and nose tackle. Dude, I guess he you, does. You have Kane Brown. He's a four-time. Oh wait, no, I thought that was. Adams, by the way, is only Just six kidding. feet though. Yeah, six foot three ten. Dude, let's make a let's make a fun bet. Let's see I, I, much... I wish I thought of a fun bet on, on the air. But... Um, I mean, I, I'm willing to bet between both teams. I I'm... I want Stephen A. Smith's team. I thought I saw Jeremy Lin for a second. I mean, I think Quinn Richardson is going to run away with this thing. But look, Chelsea Gray, who's a WNBA player, yeah, they, so, have, so, 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 they have a Jai Wilson who's so really we'll, good. We'll, 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 make a, uh, we'll, we'll make the details later. But I got some Stephen A. Smith's team. Uh, that was, yeah. Yes, he shook. He shook. For well, those of you who are listening, he should. I mean, but see, here, here's where I got Dylan. Common, you see Common at the top, who's the captain of the team? Yeah. Rapper, actor. Common also is a little bit of a player. Yeah, they had the, I think he played in high school and college. So, okay, well, I, so. We, will figure out, we will figure out the details later, but we now have oh, a it's bet. at four? Oh, I'm not going to watch the game. Well, yeah, it is kind of at a bad time for you. But um, anyway, back to the back to the actual All-Star game. Um, how so now you're gonna watch? Uh, do you know how the All Star Game is gonna work this year? Yeah, I know generally. Do you know the format? It's like a different format, you know, fourth well, quarter. It's first let me let, let me let me inform you if you don't know. Uh, normally, the All Star Game is just a normal game, twelve minute quarters. See as many points you can score. This year, they're changing it. There will still be four quarters. At, there will still be four quarters. The first three quarters are going to be 12 minutes each, like a normal game. And at the beginning of each quarter, the score will be 0-0. Zero to zero. They will play for 12 minutes, and the winner of the quarter will win a certain amount to a charity that the captains have already chosen. Then, after the 12 minutes are done for all three quarters, they will take all of the scores of those three quarters and put them all back together. And then if you're watching the game, you'll see what the total from those three quarters is. And the team that's winning... We'll add 24 to whatever that they are have, and that will be the target for the game. So to win, you have to score the best team plus 24. That's in honor of Kobe Bryant, number 24. So if the score at the end of three quarters was 195, the final target score would be 124. First team to get to 124 would win. Um, now, this is actually something that's already been used before. Dylan has probably not watched this. 
it's it's actually taken from a summer tournament called TBT, which is called the basketball tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, the TBT is kind of a it, it's a two million dollar prize pool that goes to essentially you can kind of submit a, a team and they play in like this tournament style thing. It's really a college way to get some of the college guys back together. Uh, the team that won last year was the Ohio State group, so it was a bunch of former Ohio State players. Um, but what do you think of this system? Um, pros and cons. I think it's really good. I think it'll be fun. I think there's a lot of cool little parts to it, and we'll see how well it works. My only problem with it is, I mean, I don't really watch the All-Star game, so you tell me if I'm wrong about this, but I feel like if the game is close, it'd be so fun just because of all the clutch players on the court. Like, I, I know that the players don't fully try, but if there's two minutes left and the score's tied, they're going to start trying. So the only thing is that you kind of take away that, you know, potential of a lot of game-winning shots. Well, you can I still mean, have a game-winning shot. I mean, you could still have a game-winning shot, but it's a little different. You're trying to get to 24 points, whatever the total yeah, is. Yeah, but, like, it's just fun when there's, like, three seconds left of the clock type of thing. But, yeah, there's still... There's still a shot clock, so you could still have a low shot clock. Yeah, my only prob My only problem is that it's kind of a low number of fourth-quarter points. Like, we're, we're used to NBA games now where teams routinely can get over well, four. Well, I think they like it because it's then compared, call, call it three and a half quarters. Then. I mean, you're the gonna, play, it's a shorter game. The players aren't going to be upset about I don't even think it's three and a half quarters. I think it's three quarters and, like, an extra five minutes of game time. Like, it's not even that much. My only thing is that it's, I, I understand it's in honor of Kobe Bryant, but it's really short. Well, once again, I mean, you're thinking about it as you want four. Four full quarters. No one cares. Like, like I mean, I want to watch quarters, a full The players are going to be happy about it. Well, that I think is true. Um, now, I don't know if you still have up on your computer, but do you have the prop bets on who's going to win MVP? I don't know if you had that earlier. Oh, I mean, like, I did have that up, but that, that was just the prop bets on who was going to win MVP. Well, the other prop bets that we saw were from 2013. Right, 13. Well, I do want to thank Damian Lillard for actively uh, giving his vote to Devin Booker to, to replace him. Uh, we do wish Devin Lillard the best. It's only apparently one to two weeks. Hopefully he has a nice break. He will be back rested. He apparently is going to rap in the All-Star game. I don't know if you know this. Uh, yeah, he's going to rap, I which I think is cool. Um, he said after the game the other night, hopefully I had to, unfortunately I had to be the fall guy. We don't really know what that means. Um, but hopefully Devin Booker or somebody like that will get my spot, which is probably the reason that Devin Booker did get his spot. Wait, can I, can I mention one more thing? Yeah. Did you know that Guy Fieri is going to be Stephen A's assistant coach? Yes. Who's the Who's Michael Wilbons? Because Michael Wilbons is good too. He's just an actor from Grace. Oh, Jesse Williams from Grace Anatomy. He's a Chicago guy, I think. Yeah. So uh, my team is just way more fun than your team. Uh, you know, fun doesn't win. Good wins. The, the, the New England Patriots are the least fun team in the NFL. And how many rings do they have Actually, over the I last twenty years? I love watching the New England okay, Patriots. Okay, but don't even go there. They're not fun otherwise. They're 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 you know. Their business every day, they do your job, and they won six rings. So uh, I think Michael Wilbon is going to coach his team up right. I think Stephen A is just going to be yelling the whole time. I don't think he's going to actually pay attention to this thing. Uh, I he's going to be there yelling at the refs. I, I think he's going to get a technical, too. I think he'll probably get a technical. I can see that. He's just going to be playing around and having fun. Uh, Devin Booker's also in the three-point contest, which he's won before. What do you think he? What do you think his odds are in this? Well, his odds are not very good. He's got, like, the fourth or fifth worst odds, but... Um, I, I don't. I think he. I would say Trey Young. If if I had to predict anyone, is he in it? Yep, Trey Young. But I think Devin Booker's the second or third most likely, in my opinion, at least. Um, well, I am excited for it. You and I would not have otherwise watched. I was not going to watch out of protest. Uh, not totally. I probably was going to watch Saturday night stuff, but I wasn't going to watch the Sunday game because I just didn't care. Um, 
but now I do. It's the first All-Star, by the way, the Suns have had since 2012. Um, and I heard some talk from our local radio in Phoenix, um, which would be Burns and Gambo show. They were talking about how nice it is, how it feels like a bookend to the decade of the Suns um, between the All-Star breaks, how badly our teams have been from 2012 to 2020. And now it's a nice kind of bookend to bad, you know, from bad last year to bad this year, the bad in between, I guess. I think that part's nice. And uh, mm-hmm. it should be a lot of it should be a lot of fun. So, anything you want to say on your way out, Dylan? Um, not really. Just, uh, oh, um, man said he got banned for two years. Woo! Will they actually be banned for two years? Not very likely. Still a big. It's a the, we don't hear that very often in sports where teams are left out of competition. Professional teams, college, it happens. Well, so- soccer, soccer is very different. Soccer. No, I know, but but even. It, I, Soccer, it's, it's, it's more likely than anything. But they're, they're going to appeal. They'll probably get at least mostly out of it. Um, my guess is it's just going to be one year. For the non-soccer fans, how big of a deal is this? If they actually get banned for two years, it's a massive deal. I mean, for starters, that's the biggest competition in soccer. But also, you make, I think, the revenue you get for being in the Champions League is around 65 million euros, which similar dollar ratio. So it's like $60 million, a little bit less, yeah. 55 I think. I mean, so, like, if they actually get banned for two years just from a money sale. Oh, they also got fined. 30 30 million euros. So if they lost two years of the Champions League plus the 30 million euros, you're looking at about 150 million euros. And you're talking about a sport where there's no cap. I mean, they they just lost 150 million. I mean, that's, that's massive. I mean... You could what you could buy with 150 million. I mean, the stars you could you could acquire. Yeah, exactly. Because since there's no cap, they, well, what they're in trouble for, and what the cap kind of is, is that you can't raise your salary. Other than in very specific situations, you can't raise your salary by more than five percent each year. If that makes sense. So you can have as big of a salary as you want, as long as it's not more than a five percent increase from the previous year. So, but like, so 150 million at the end of the day is a lot. Okay. Well. We will figure out our bet if we're even going to do this because I, I, we'll see. But we're going to figure out our bet. My wallet's in my hand, so I have the money. Um, and we will be back next week on the World of Sports podcast and radio show.